0: On this episode, I give you my take on the greatest sports films of all time and how I break them down by category, such as what sport they're in, how good they are, and how much they affected my childhood. Plus, after what happened last night, there needs to be an official change in how the NFL referees officiate. I will explain what I mean by that on this episode of the Get Stoked Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Get Stoked Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone had a good weekend. I know for us Detroit Lions fans, it was nothing new. Uh, I'm just going to go right into it on this October 11th. Lions fans, we feel the pain. After getting shut out 29 to nothing to the Patriots, there might need to be some changes in the Lions organization. I'm not saying fire Dan Campbell. That's not what I'm saying at all. But... There needs to be someone who takes the accountability. And Dan Campbell's taking it, but the players need to take it as well. And I'll come back to this topic on Friday as they have a bye week. This week, I'll come back to the Lions as they have not had the best start and not the start that we have been hoping for. But on the flip side of things, going to college football for a second, Michigan gets it done in Indiana 31-10 31-10 after a gritty, unenthusiastic first half. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The first half should have been a lot better. Indiana, they gave it all they got. And then it took the second half for Michigan to figure things out. Granted, things were shaken up when Mike Hart had a medical emergency on the sideline. And that was truly scary to see. And I hope he's doing well. And I hope he can recover in time for him to be able to be cleared and to get back on the field don't rush things take your time and rest things happen but it's the things that we don't expect that are truly scary but michigan gets the job done they won it for coach hart and i hope he recovers quickly and now i'm gonna shift things over to last night monday night football Kansas City versus Las Vegas and Cincinnati or excuse me Kansas City won this game 30-29 and it did not come without controversy where there was a very specific play and whoever watched Monday Night Football knows what I'm talking about where Kansas City defensive lineman comes in tackles and strips the ball from Derek Carr, landing on him while recovering the ball before it even he, they even hit the ground. And he takes off running. Flag is thrown. Play is dead. Roughing the passer call. And the Kansas City, Kansas City fans were booing the daylights out of the referees. They were booing them so much. And I completely understand why. It was a terrible call. It was a very bad call. And for those of you know I you know who I am referring to when this play occurred. His name escapes me at the moment. But I have to say when I was watching last night, I I was irritated by how that was handled. And I was I was angry, honestly. It was a terrible call. I don't agree with it whatsoever. And now it came out this morning that the NFL Competition Committee, which is composed of six team owners and executives and four head coaches, they make the most of the recommendations for rule changes. They are going to they're going to be mulling through those rule changes after the season ends. After two penalty call were two penalties were called one was Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, where he was flagged for the roughing the passer, and then as well as um, in Atlanta, where defensive tackle Grady Jarrett was flagged by referee Jerome Bogger. I apologize if I botched the last name. For a seemingly harmless sack on Tom Brady. That one was... That one was the match that really started. It was two egregious calls back-to-back. And not saying back-to-back in two games or, or in the same game, back-to-back days, Sunday and Monday. And I, watching this as a fan of Monday Night Football, I was, I was appalled by this. I was, I was, I can't even describe how I felt. I was rather angry, not angry enough to go after someone physically. I would not do that. But I was angry to the point of where something needs to change in the NFL. Because every few years, roughing the Passer has changed. And every time, they have not gotten it right. Where you cannot prevent someone in real time who is a 350-pound lineman from stopping in a second from tackling a quarterback. You just can't do it. Their momentum is going to carry them into the tackle and onto the ground. You just cannot have them stop in a split second or divert their body or their momentum in a different direction in a split second. You just cannot do that. I know they're trying to I know they are trying to protect the quarterback while he's in the pocket when the pocket collapses. But there are times where they have to be in the player's shoes and say, you know what? Some things are just so impossible that we can't really do everything to protect the quarterback. And they're trying to do everything. And it's, it's overstepping just a little bit. And the referees, I know they're human beings. They make calls. All the time. But this one just has to be some of the worst I've seen. It was terrible officiating. And it's not just roughing the passer. It has to do with pass interference sometimes. Face masks. Uncalled penalties. Where I think the biggest example I can think of was back in 2019. At the St. Louis or Los Angeles and St. New Orleans. I don't know why I have Saint in my mind, but uh, New Orleans Saints. There we go. And Los Angeles Rams game for the NFC Championship, where there was a blatant no-call pass interference, and the and the crowd was so loud with the booing because it was not called, and that was so loud the referees could not even talk, and the fans did not want to hear it. <coughs> where. Todd Gurley was it was blatantly called. He was hit before the ball would even get to him. The ball sailed by him. It was a very catchable ball, but he could not catch it because he was hit well before the ball came even close to his hands. And I remember watching this game, and this game was so loud at that point. The referees couldn't you could not hear the referees over the microphone. You just could not. They were so pissed off at the referees. And I understand so. It was a terrible no call. It should have been called. And at that point, that needed to be addressed. And this needs to be addressed again for roughing the passer. And I feel like it's going on to deaf ears year after year after year. They say, oh, we're going to look at it. We're going to change things. And they tweak it just a little bit to where it's like, okay, we're good. But now... The cries, and the voices, and the fans, and the coaches even. I I can't really tell you who exactly, but the fans' voices are so loud. Even the commentators were saying that was a terrible call. And at halftime, with Adam Schefter being on it, he was saying, you know, this is not a great call. They got it wrong, and they need to address it. The NFL referees... And the NFL itself needs to address this. So I'm calling on the NFL to say, hey, just look at this. It doesn't have to be now, but you're going to get these bad calls for the rest of the season. So I'm kind of saying, look at it now. But these two instances were in Atlanta and Kansas City. They were just terrible, terrible calls. And the NFL really needs to address this. Okay, how can we... Make this better for the defensive player because it seems like everyone's targeting the defense now. It's like, oh, pass interference, pass interference, rough on the passer, and defensive holding and all that. But I understand, and I know I'm going to say this again, I understand you're trying to protect the quarterback from a terrible, terrible hit, and nobody wants to see that, much like Tua Tungvaloa for once against Cincinnati and another before that with the Bills. No one wants to see that, and that also needs to be addressed as well for the concussion protocol, and that's a dis—that's a discussion for another time that has already been addressed, but I can touch on it at a different time. But you also need to look out for the defense because they're not trying to kill the guys on the field. They're trying to make a clean tackle and make a stop on whatever down it may be for the defense. And I know I'm kind of dragging this out just a little bit, <clears throat> Excuse me, but things need to change. And I feel like in today's narrative, the defense is looked on as the bad guy, but not in this case. It was really the referees, and everyone does not like the referees. And no one likes referees more than in Detroit. And I don't really need to explain why. But things need to change for officiating and for the NFL, not only just to protect players, but to have clean tackles in the pocket, or in the open field. And that that's all I'm going to say about it because things do need to change, and I'm not the only one saying this. So many people are saying this, and it needs to finally be addressed the right way. For this next segment, I hinted at it earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm having a little bit of a sore throat problem today. But... Uh, I hinted at this last week I was supposed to do it last week really and I did not do it last week so I'm doing it this week and this is going to be my segment on the greatest sports films of all time and how I'm going to do it is based on sport really so baseball hockey football and basketball and I'm also going to do it on how much they affected my childhood so to really kick things off Uh, I'm not going to do it in any particular order. But I'm going to really start off with baseball because that's the first thing comes to mind. And they can both be fictional and non-fictional stories. And so I'm going to do just the top three list just to keep it short and sweet. And people can do this in so many different ways. Rolling Stone did this. Sports Illustrated did this. Bleacher Report did this. And they're all great discussions and great topics and great articles. And not one is the same. And a lot of people will say, oh, Rocky is the best sports film of all time. Or Miracle or The Sandlot or Rudy or whoever, whatever film. But I'm just going to do the top three based on really how I viewed them as a child and how they affected my childhood. And... Really, in what spot I think that they think. So I'm going to start off with baseball, and I I firmly believe that these are my top three. Take them with a grain of salt because these are not an official. This is not an official list by any means, and I have. There's so many that can I can do with this, and. I'd have to say with um, with this list, here are my top three for baseball. And number three goes to Moneyball. And I say Moneyball because it is a great film on, on how baseball is more than just what's on the field. It is an adapt- adaptation of Michael Lewis's acclaimed book. Perfectly captures the culture clash between the analytics crowd and the on-field crowd, and the main person in the film, Brad Pitt, he perfectly plays the Oakland A's GM Billy Bean, and he he does a he does a great job on being their GM while he's trying to turn around the Oakland A's franchise. And this movie, you should go watch it. This is a very good film on the Oakland A's organization. It is not perfect by any means, but it is a great film. And moving on to number two, I'm going to kind of keep these a little short and sweet. But this is, and actually, let me go back to Moneyball for a second. It affected me by giving me another perspective about baseball that I never really thought of as a young kid and yes this movie came out in 2011 and this film gave me an inside look on the dealings of baseball and how things are actually run it gave me it didn't show me everything as i have my life to learn that and progressively realize that but but moneyball gave me a better look at how baseball is run and not how and and how Every team is different and unique. and So that's what it gave for me. That's kind of what I took away from it. And so I'm going to go to my number two spot for baseball. And that is The Sandlot. And this movie captures the essence of childhood baseball. Of just going to an empty field with your best friends. And just playing ball. Having trash talk. And... Just having a great time. And at, at the end of the day, despite whether you win or lose, you're always going to be friends. You're always going to come back to that and say, you know what? That was a great time. And, now, of course, not every neighborhood had their baseball diamond. There's different things that connect kids. And this is the movie that every kid has probably seen and impacted in a way most people between the ages of 20 and 45 think about baseball. And I fall in that category. And this is a heartwarming story of a young boy learning about life and the game from a group of neighborhood kids where they hold dear to many hearts. And this is such a classic film from 1994. It was it was a great film. So many memorable, memorable lines. Like, you're killing me, Smalls. Or, hey, 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 take it easy. And there's so many memorable lines from this film. And I can't just say... Excuse me. I can't just say one line capsulates this. But this film impacted my childhood. It made me love baseball as a sport. It made me want to get into baseball more. And this captured the very essence of childhood Little League baseball for me. Of course, this was by no means Little League. But this film film was my childhood and it made me want to play better and before i get to the number 1 spot i'm going to give an honorable mention here and there's so many to choose from you could do bad news bears you could do moneyball again you could do a league of their own you could do so many different ones but i i'm kind of torn But if I were to choose an honorable mention and I had to choose between two, I would do either The Natural or Field of Dreams. And this spot, it's very close for me, but I'm going to give it to The Field of Dreams where Kevin Costner stars in this 89 classic where the field is still used today in baseball. And this film... About an Iowa farmer who seriously hears a cornfield tell him, If you build it, he will come. And it has become part of the American lexicon. And this story just captures the excitement, the popularity, and why baseball is the American pastime. It is just a great story that really captures the very essence of modern day baseball on where you honor the past, but yet you embrace the future and feel the dreams does that perfectly. And this inspired me as a kid to play baseball even more, slightly less than the Sandlot, but it was still a cultivating capturing film and i have to put this in my honorable mention because it is a story that everyone should watch at least once in their lifetime and again field of dreams it it captures why baseball is the american pastime and why so many players want to play in the major leagues as well and again i'm going to say it again It embraces or honors the past, captures the present. I did not add that last time, but it captures the present, but also embraces the future of baseball. Yes, it sometimes has been dark in reality, but overall, the future of baseball is still very bright. And finally, number one for me may be a little bit surprising, but this 2013 film with Chadwick Boseman, about 42 The story of Jackie Robinson being the first African-American player in baseball in the 40s, where this story is about breaking the racial barrier in baseball in the MLB. And with its keen cinematography and stellar performances, it makes this film feel more powerful than ever given current world events and protests and this film is done beautifully by Chadwick Boseman. He's been he's known for having so many cultivating roles, so many cha- so many roles that are historically relevant. <clears throat> and Chadwick Boseman, he is he will be very much missed. But he plays Jackie Robinson so beautifully and how the struggles of the first African-American baseball player in the MLB had to get from where he was to where he wanted to get to break the racial barrier. And yes, I was in my early high school years, but this made me really think about how racial barrier was broken because I really never understood it. And this made me think to a historical aspect about why baseball is the way it is today because of Jackie Robinson. Yes, he's not the only player, but he's arguably the most pivotal person in baseball to break the racial barrier. And number number 42 is honored today by all baseball teams and Jackie Robinson day. And he, hands down, changed baseball for the better. And I'm not saying he's the only one, but he is the one that did it best. He is the one that did it first. And this is my take on baseball's greatest films. And I have to say, take it with a grain of salt. But this can go so many different ways. There's so many great sports films that it's so hard just to break it down to one. And this is my list for baseball. And now I think it's fair to say I have to move it on to football. And again, there are so many um, films that you just can't leave out. You have to... There's so many that are just there. And I. it's hard to break it down into a list. And so moving on to football now, I have to give a shout-out to Waterboy with Adam Sandler. That one was hilarious, gritty, and entertaining as heck. But I'm going to break it down to just the three again. And rounding out at number three, I have Remember the Titans, where Denzel Washington is good in everything he does. But in this 70-set story of race relations and pigskin in the American South... He shines like no other. And he inspired a, a rash of movies following this, including Radio and The Express. This film captures how everything is becoming what it is. And that, that was a terrible explanation. Let me, let me redo that again. Remember the Titans is a film that captures the soul of America. And how we have our flaws. We have our differences. But we can still come together and unify through sports. And granted, our history is not even close to perfect. It's not even close. But this film captures it almost to a T. On how race and sports are so affected. But yet, if we... If we attack one problem head-on, it can make the other so much better. And it attacks racial profiling and, and uh, raci- racial relations head-on. But sports and football are better for it. Where we are unified, we play as one. And that has to be top three for me. It is top three for me. And going on to number two for me, I'm going to have to give this one to The Longest Yard. This Burt Reynolds classic offering a look at both prison life and the sport, and it offers two hallmarks of classic 70s cinemas. Gritty, it holds no barred actions, and it is Reynolds' best hair, as as how I describe it. and. This gives it a different twist on football because we never really seen anything from prison where oh prison is where bad people go. Well that is true. But they can do this in prison. They can they can capture this and they they aren't just soulless animals. Some people were innocently innocently put away, but that's a different topic for another day that I I'm not going to get into. But the Longest Yard is about a prison team that tries to make their stereotype of being prisoners a little bit less of a stereotype. And this this hits it on the nail perfectly. And it is a great film. Everyone should watch this. And it gives a it different aspect. While it is it could be a little quirky at times, but it gives it a good meaning behind the film. And coming around my honorable mention I have to give it to facing the Giants the, I know this is a little bit more of a christian based film but it hits it hits the nail on the head where faith and football can coexist and for some reason in today's society that has been a problem and it shouldn't be people have the right to express their religious freedoms regardless if it's playing football whether it's being in public whatever and this one connects the two beautifully and it, it comes with the story of a team that is kind of in shambles a new coach comes in tries to bring the team to beat their biggest rival the giants at the very end of the season and this is between faith and sports and it it mixes them well and it taught me that you can do both it doesn't have to be separate as you just have you can do both and people should respect people's religious views people's opinions and all of that and this film does it again it does it beautifully and it may not be a perfect film but it is a film very much worth watching and number 1 is probably an undisputed take by so many films and so many articles so many sporting announcers on this undisputed number 1 film and that has to be Rudy where every girl cries while watching the notebook this film gives every guy the chills while watching rudy and this is the classic underdog story about Rudy's lifelong dream of playing for the University of Notre Dame thrown in John Favreau's movie debut a shocking on-screen death, and an inspiring ending. And you've got yourself one incredible football film. Rudy, with Sean Astin's performance, is a great film. It's arguably the greatest football film of all time. And, Rudy, the film itself just does not capture the beauty of this. And this is, I believe, it's based on a true story. And Sean Astin gives a very beautiful take on this character, Rudy, on his dream to play for Notre Dame. And he tries and tries again to get on. And finally, he makes the team as second or third strand. I cannot remember which. But he plays in the game at the very end. And it is just a beautiful, heartfelt story. It gave me chills. It gave me the feels, if you will. And I may have shed a tear or two for this film. And I loved it. It was great, it was beautiful, and it captures everything I want about the dream of playing for football. It does not have to be Notre Dame. It could be for Michigan, Alabama, Clemson, USC, it could be anyone. But Notre Dame was in this film because it happened. And it just it was done so well. And I applaud this film for breaking barriers on belief and football and how Notre Dame Yes, they are a private school, but they do it, and they do it well. So that is my top three, with the honorable mention, of football. Now I'm going to move over to basketball, as these next two are a little bit tougher to get a handle on. And I really did not watch very many basketball films growing up, and neither did hockey, but I'll get to that when I get to it. So with that... I have the greatest basketball films, according to my opinions. And I have to say that this is a tough list. And I put a lot of thought in this film. And there's so many different um, different films that you could choose out. Celtic Pride, Blue Chips... Love basketball, Hoosiers, white men can't jump, all of that. But number three <clears throat> has to go to Space Jam. Michael Jordan, Looney Tunes. This is a cinematic gem, a timeless classic. And yes, LeBron James did another take, and it wasn't as good in my mind. But this first one with Michael Jordan and the Looney Tunes gang really it really brought out the characters so much more <clears throat> and combining the best basketball player of the world, which was Michael Jordan at the time and it has a great twist playing with the Looney Tunes gang and this no pun intended was an absolute slam dunk but in all seriousness this movie is an absolute joy uh, joy for any child to watch. And I, of course, did not, I was not around when this actually came out, but it's still a joint. when I watched it, I loved everything about it. It was funny. It was witty. The green screen was not the greatest because it was 1994, but it was a combination of the cartoons and the NBA players that made it work really well. And the soundtrack was awesome. And it just made me love this film as my number three, so coming in at number number two for me i this was a close one for me between number two and number one and this this film is Hoosiers when someone thinks in, when someone is thinking about the cradle of civilization and when it comes to basketball. The Midwest kind of comes to mind, Indiana, the Hoosier state, the excuse me, the basketball state, Indianapolis, Indiana, or Bloomington, Indiana, where the Indiana Hoosiers play. So, of course, this film Hoosiers, the exact state I'm talking about, and the pride that the state of Indiana has for basketball is vast. Everyone knows this, and it has fundamentally sound basketball. Predicted upon outside shooting and set plays in the name of the game for many high schools in this rich state of basketball. And Hoosiers has to be one of the best sports films ever made. It signifies all of that. And this story epitomizes an underdog basketball team that utilizes unity, hard work, and support of a small rural town to will themselves to victory in the state championship game against a team that was much more highly regarded and i'm taking this quote from an article in bleacher report but this describe this is how i would really describe it and this is definitely a david versus goliath story much like much like uh, facing the giants much like that or remember the titans and It's so uplifting, inspirational, and this is a must for any sports fans to have in their movie collection. And for me, this hits the nail on the head perfectly for me. I know I'm going to say that quite a bit, but I have to say, this film made me love basketball for what it was. A true kid's sport and how it gives kids the dream of working hard in pursuing their dream of going to the NBA but this film does it for me it really just does it for me and I love basketball because of this film and it gives me a perspective on how a small town team can overcome a much better top tier team in the state it doesn't have to be Indiana but it could be Michigan Ohio Iowa Los Angeles California it could be Illinois it could be South Carolina but Indiana is the Hoosier State and this film was done beautifully and I applaud everything that this film stands for and before I get to number one of course I have to do my honorable mention and this is actually a documentary that I want to do and that documentary is Hoop Dreams where this documentary chronicles the lives of two inner inner-city teenagers from the south side of Chicago. Both Arthur Aggie and William Gates have the dream of making it professionally basketball no matter what. And this exists, which includes one of the players going to a wealthy private school, and the other was unable to financially stay in the same private school, But so out of necessity he enrolls in his local public high school. And each player dealt with big-time obstacles along the way, in their journeys to becoming big-time successes in basketball. And this film personifies the harsh underbelly of society and depicts the urban class and the importance of basketball in these inner-city communities. And this was not talked about enough. Of course, you have LeBron James, the kid from Akron, who highlights that perfectly. Being from Akron, Ohio, being from an underprivileged family, underprivileged, excuse me, I kind of botched that, but coming from a home that isn't as fortunate, he busted his butt off to get to where he is today as one of the greatest players of all time and one of the greatest players in today's game. Being a high school prodigy to being an NBA All-Star to being, again, one of the greatest players of all time. And it captures the gritty rawness of an inner-city coupled with the desire and the heart of these two players wanting to get out and change their lives for the name of the game. And this was a close one for me because this Hoop Dreams is a great documentary. I highly suggest you watch it. And now for my number one, it has to be probably the most organic film ever made. But that is He Got Game. And this story focuses on Jesus so- Shuttleworth a highly regarded high school basketball prospect, and his father Jake Shuttlesworth an incarcerated man who's given one week to convince his estranged son son excuse me to attend the alma mater of the state governor in exchange for a shortened prison sentence and I may have uh botched the first name I apologize and it's been a long time since I watched this film so I cannot really remember but his love for basketball is also due in a large part of Jake who was also a former player and this film has layers of emotion that run rampant in this film and for Alan who has no prior acting experience before this performance is it's astonishing it's eye-boggling it's amazing and he is incredibly good in this film as was washington and ultimately they play a game on one on one to decide the fate for both the father and son's futures and interestingly enough the footage shot was actually of the two players in a serious game it was not doctored it was it was not it was not acted out it was a very serious game and Denzel Washington can ball. He can ball. And the cinematography of this film and how it impacted me is like, you know what? This is a side of basketball I never really get to understand much. And it's not shown to light nearly as much. But again, this film is beautiful. It's organically done. It is fantastic. And the scenery being filmed at Brooklyn and Coney Island Gave the film an added element of beauty. And you could take a lot away from this film. And it is a great film. I would highly suggest it. Now going to what I think is the hardest category of hockey. To um, to capture in a top three. And there is so many films from hockey that are underutilized, underappreciated. And there's, there's a number one in my mind, and I'm sure most people can assume what it is by this point. But for my number three, it has to be 1992 classic, The Mighty Ducks. And a film that introduced most of the millennial generation to the sport of ice hockey, The Mighty Ducks about a self-centered Minnesota lawyer sentenced to community service in the form of coaching a youth hockey team after he's been arrested for drunk driving. But in addition to providing early roles for stars like Joshua Jackson and Eldon Henson, this movie spawned two sequels, which I won't get into, in an an expansion team based out of Anaheim. This film features the flawed Bombay growing to care for these children, who is the main character and the heart behind the mighty darks is part of what makes it one of the best sports films for kids as well for adults. And for this film, it really got me into hockey just a little bit. And that really grew when I got to college for here in grand Rapids for the AHL team, the Griffins and the Griffins really captured my excitement for hockey. But this one, this film really just opened the can for me as I never really got into hockey much as a kid. I really never cared for it until I watched this film a little bit. It's, oh, hockey is cool. Hockey's kind of fun. But really college going back to this film is what just captured it for me. It was a great experience for me growing up. And that has to be number 3 for me. Now going to number 2, there's so many that I could choose from. And it's hard just to hit one on the head. But I have to give number two for me, The Rocket, where this is a true story based on the careers of Maurice The Rocket Richard. This biopic is showing the struggles of a hockey player that had to go through the rise of status the way he did. Playing for the Montreal Canadiens, Richard, along with many others, believed that French Canadian hockey players were not treated as well as English-Canadian players. And this mistreatment led to the extensive conflict with the NHL president. And this film is a fascinating look into the life of one of the most famous hockey players in history and the impact he had on the game. Now, I had not watched this film in a long time, but I do remember this film. And it is a great biopic, and it is a great film that everyone should look forward to watching. As... It captures it, how every player should be given an equal opportunity to represent themselves and to represent the team they play for. And this film captures it amazingly. So if you have not seen Rocket, go watch it. Thank me later. Now, before I get to the honorable mention, or excuse me, before I get to my number one I'm going to give you my honorable mention for hockey, and that is Legend, number 17. And this Russian movie that never really enjoyed a North American release, but most readers likely haven't heard or seen of Legend. But I honestly have. I found it a few years back, and I thought it was really great about garnering a prestigious Russian film award. And... This story follows the life and career of Valery Karmalov, one of the greatest players in Soviet hockey history. Although Karmalov was considered a small prof- for a professional player, he made up he made this up for his lack of size with exceptional speed, intelligence, creativity, and of course, stick skills, earning him two Soviet League MVP awards and two championships with CSKA Moscow. Karmalov also won his country Olympic gold medals in 72 and 76 and played on the 1980 Olympic team, which comes in a little bit. And this film, I actually found out for a while back. It's a great film. It's a great story, greatly written. Of course, it never really enjoyed that North American release, but I highly suggest it. I suggest that you watch this film as it gives you a different perspective, not just on American hockey, but overseas it it does it well and i thoroughly enjoyed this film and it is a film that i find cultivating and emotional and if of course if you've not seen this i highly recommend it and that is my honorable mention now going to number one for me is it has to be the 2004 film miracle telling this true story of a team of ragtag american college hockey boys who took on a heavily favored Soviet team at the height of the cold war in the 1980 Olympics in New York. This is arguably the biggest upset and most important game in American hockey history, where the team coach Herb Brooks, who is played by Kurt Russell, who you'll be quoting for weeks. I still quote him sometimes. He is enough to inspire anyone who's ever been rejected. Brooks, was the last player cut from the 1960 U.S. team, the only American team to ever win gold. But he held out onto his dream for 20 years before he finally achieved it as head coach, winning this semifinal round between the U.S. and the Soviet Union before they eventually won gold in the 1980 Olympics. And this is such an inspiring story that it has been covered several times, being adapted into one of the best HBO sports documentaries. And this film captured the heart and soul of American hockey for me. It captured why hockey is the way it is. And it is so amazing, so capturing, so emotional. I can't even describe it enough. But Kurt Russell does a brilliant performance in this film. And as a young kid watching it for the first time, hockey just, it gripped my heart and said, I'm going to come back to you later. And I mentioned that college where I kind of embraced hockey a little bit more. This was also a film that captured it for me. And I love this film almost as much as the others. But this film for me has to be my greatest hockey film of all time. This is a top five film for me in sports. Whereas number one for me has to be 42. That is arguably my f- my number one pick for greatest fi- sports film of all time. But I can get into that top ten list of greatest sports ta- films at another time. But this, I decided to break it down by sport and how it affected me personally. And Miracle top five film for me and it captured the young dream of hockey and how with great adversity adversity excuse me of overcoming arguably of heavily favored soviet team in the height of the cold war mind you that anything is possible and that sports unifies people more than anything else so ladies and gentlemen with that that is my take on the greatest sports films by sport. And again, this is my take on the top three with the honorable mention, but this f- does it for my take on the greatest sports films. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the get stoked podcast. Be sure to come back Friday for our hot takes and more hockey talk, baseball talk, football, and of course, a little bit of basketball as the NHL season starts today the MLB postseason season is in full swing pun intended and more basketball news will be coming as with the Pistons and the NBA's starting up pretty soon and of course the biggest games of the weekend and I know I left a few films out such as Invictus and a few others that I'm sure we all know and love but our lists are different and everyone has a number one and this of course was mine so make sure to come back friday and for more content we will see you then